Are you ready? Are you ready to dive in? We've got four games, four incredible games on tap this weekend. Saturday and Sunday, don't make plans, or at least make plans around football. That's what I'm doing. It's After Hours with Amy Lawrence on CBS Sports Radio. You can find me on Twitter, A-Law Radio. We've got a show account as well. That's where all our polls originate from, including the After Hours Game of the Week poll. And at least right now, we've got a two-horse race. So check it out. Vote for the Game of the Week. And also, you can see the pregame snack. Is it a snack or is it a meal? You can decide, but it was delicious. I almost couldn't wait to take the picture before I started eating. Uh, So check that out. And I did share with producer Jay, of course. Also ahead, you're going to hear from some of the bills as we get closer to this weekend where DeMar Hamlin is expected to be at Orchard Park in Highmark Stadium. Man, the emotions. I mean, think about what it was like when the Bills got back on the field for the first time after he suffered his cardiac arrest and all of the emotions, the tears there when Naeem Hines went 96 yards with the opening snap, the opening kick, excuse me, uh, and just the emotional lift of that, the spiritual quality as Josh Allen called it. Well, he's been at the facilities. Jamar has been around. Uh, We'll get an update on him. I wonder, will he be on the field? Will he lead the team out with the flag? Because that man, to be able to see him, that is going to be powerful and impactful. That's just one of the games, though. We've got another AFC game on Saturday before we get to Bengals and Bills. So you've got us on Twitter and Facebook. Our phone number, 855-212-4227. That's 855-212-4CBS. It's been a while since we've seen the Kansas City Chiefs, since we've talked about the Kansas City Chiefs. They are the top seed in the AFC. And as a reminder, they're pretty darn good. Three receivers in a triangle to the left side. Mahomes hands it off to McKinnon, trying to dart left. 25-20, downfield block, 10-5, touchdown! Kansas City! Terrific run by Jarek McKinnon to win the game in overtime on a 26-yard run. And the Kansas City Chiefs have won the AFC West for a seventh consecutive year. Seven? Seven years in a row, plus four consecutive trips to the AFC Championship game. They're coming off the bye because they have the top seed. Patrick Mahomes set a new record with most total yards in a single season, over 5,600. It's obscene. Let's be fair. This is obscene. And yet, doesn't feel like a lot of people are talking about the Kansas City Chiefs. We are pleased to welcome Cody Tapp from 610 Sports Radio, Kansas City, our affiliate there. And let's examine this problem, shall we, for a second. The Chiefs are flying under the radar, Cody, despite having Patrick Mahomes never playing a postseason game away from Arrowhead other than the Super Bowls. Why does it feel like no one is talking about them? I think some of it is because so much of the interest has been on the NFC side. They're probably just like, oh, look at all these teams. On the AFC side, I don't get it. I think for the early part of the season, it made sense. It was the Bills went after Von Miller, and here we go, and they're all in. But their defense hasn't played as good. And Cincinnati, even though they had a chance to still do some kind of remarkable things from a seeding perspective, 
didn't get a chance to finish that game against Buffalo and had more losses than Kansas City. So I think some of it is maybe it's star power. Maybe it's because, you know, Tyreek's not on there. But it seems weird that a team has 14 wins, has been to four straight AFC title games, has this year's MVP when this thing eventually gets voted on, is kind of quiet. But a lot of times in the NFL, they're looking for something new. The Chiefs are always in the AFC title game, which makes them in a weird way probably less interesting to others. That's funny. And yet I can't think of a player that I would rather watch in the NFL these days than Patrick Mahomes. If you're looking for interesting, he does something in every game that we've never seen him do before. No, it's pretty consistently. You know, if you've ever been in a press box situation, it's like, oh, it's kind of quiet or people talk. (laughs) It's like, no. Everyone openly laughs because Mahomes does something spectacular or weird (laughs) or different. And in the postseason, it's been no different. He averages pretty much 300 yards and three touchdowns a game. It's why, like, we talked a lot about Josh Allen's performance in the postseason last year. But the only reason the Chiefs got passed in the divisional round to go to the AFC title game is because Pat Holmes was equally as good in that divisional round game as Josh Allen was in that game that was back and forth. Yeah, I mean, if you just want to see something spectacular, Holmes <laughs> is your guy. Um, if they had one more Super Bowl ring, I think people would talk about him different right now, just because five straight AFC title games, which is what they'll get to if they beat Jacksonville, I mean, that just doesn't happen. That's, that's remarkable in its own right. This record that he set this season, which is most total yards in a single campaign, over 5,600, what would you say is the reason for that, Cody? The 17th game helps him. I'm not going to pretend sure. like it doesn't, but he never gets enough credit for his ability to run. He's not Lamar Jackson. He's not pretending to be, but he is one of the most elusive runners in the NFL. They don't design runs around him like Josh Allen either. He just has to do it naturally. It's that and the fact that he has been, this has been the most remarkable thing all year. He's been just as efficient, if not more, than he was with Tyreek Hill. There's no way. Look, we're in Kansas City. All we're supposed to do is assume the best, be optimistic. I didn't think he was going to be better without Tyreek. That doesn't make sense. But they're deeper, and they figured out how to beat defenses the way that they were being beat last year. They're the number one team in the NFL when people play too high. you know. Like, And that was the whole thing last year about how do you beat Mahomes. So I think some of it is they're just deeper. They've got more wide receivers everywhere, and Mahomes is playing at that level again. Between that and his rushing ability, I I think he was always kind of destined for this amount of yardage. It is sort of comical that after Tyreek Hill talks about the Chiefs' offense will likely stumble a bit without him. It won't be as prolific. I'm going to Miami where it's the most accurate quarterback in the NFL that the Chiefs only end up with the most passing yards per game and the most points per game over the regular season, not to mention the overall number one seed. Just out of curiosity, do you think there was any extra motivation there knowing that this was a new challenge with so many different wide receivers? I think he was motivated because Mahomes is motivated, like most great players, by I'll show you, even if it's manufactured, <laughs> right? Nobody thought Mahomes wasn't any good, but that was the next challenge. Hey, man, can you do it without Tyreek Hill? I just think they're overall better. Like, they're much deeper at the position. They don't have a guy like Tyreek. That guy doesn't exist. But they go five, six wide receivers deep, and in previous years, they just went two or three. That, that helps them. They, you know, they were the number one team in yards after catch in the NFL because Andy's good at scheming guys open, and they've got guys who are really good at doing that, and MBS and Juju Schuster, and so 
they were just they were just more well rounded. But yes, Mahomes likes proving people wrong. They were the number one offense in the NFL. They <laughs> lost a, a top five wide receiver in the NFL, a guy who finished with seventeen hundred yards and seven or eight touchdowns. Like that's not supposed to happen. We're excited to spend a few minutes with Cody Tapp from 610 in Kansas City. Sports radio right now all about the Chiefs, or is there something else going on in Kansas City that I don't know about? No. I mean, look, I mean, we've got other sports this time <laughs> of year. Um, it's talking about the Chiefs and then figuring out uh, our big debate is, would you rather face Cincinnati at home, oh. a team that has had your number, uh-huh. or just play a neutral site game against the Bills? who you have beaten time and time again. And for me, I'm always about the easiest path. I don't want to play Cincinnati anymore. <laughs> I think the Chiefs are just as good as that team, but they keep getting the better of you. So, I don't know. I kind of feel like I'd rather face the Bills. Mm, that's an interesting question. Uh, it's after hours here on CBS Sports Radio. I like that debate. I appreciate what Andy Reid said about Patrick this week, that his wide receiver room completely changes and yet he doesn't rush to the GM and say, hey, what are you doing? He just goes back to work, and, and we talked about the numbers. But how did you see Mahomes, as well as the offensive staff, really the offense as a whole, adjust to this new group of wide receivers? I think it took them a little bit of time, and they're really smart. They keep Mahomes involved. He knew before they traded Tyreek that it was likely to go down that way just based on the way the contract stuff is. But Mahomes did what? Um, really good quarterbacks do now. So because the NFLPA doesn't allow you to schedule more practices as a team, Mahomes got them all together. He took them all down to Texas. He put all those wide receivers together, and he threw routes. So I think it started there, started in the offseason. He got as many of those guys together as he could to start working through that, and then it did take him a little bit of time. The good news is for him is that while he was figuring out which wide receivers to throw to, he had Travis. If you've got Kelsey sitting there, you can take four or five weeks to really kind of hit your stride. I think what's been most impressive is, you know, he had Juju Smith-Schuster, and then there was a little bit of, like, the concussion stuff, so then he had to lean on others, and he found others to lean on. But if you go through each wide receiver's numbers, there isn't a 1,000-yard receiver outside of Travis Kelsey, tight end. You know, Juju Smith-Schuster didn't end up there. Uh, MVS was pretty much the same receiving yardage he was in Green Bay. So it's not like somebody put up some unprecedented season. He just got a little bit more out of everybody and the same amount he's used to out of Travis. But it seems like to me that the off-season stuff coupled with Mahomes' ability to clearly adjust quickly to the new wide receivers was the biggest difference. Mm. What is the Chiefs' fatal flaw? Oh, turnovers. It's that or red zone defense, to be honest. Those are the things, like special teams have burned them quite a bit, but like, I don't know if that's the thing that's going to get them. They have given the ball away so carelessly multiple times this year, and that's, those are the games they lose. So you would mentioned they're 14-3. Of the three games they lost, in the game against Indianapolis, they turned it over three times. They turned it over. The Travis Kelsey fumble is what cost them against Cincinnati. There were two interceptions in the Buffalo game. That's just how they lose. Up until the final two weeks of the season, they were a bottom five team in turnover differential. So they weren't taking the ball away either. But they just had a real knack for giving the ball away at bad times. Five times they've turned it over in special teams, everything. So like, if they're going to lose in the postseason, it'll be as a result of them 
turning it over. Because if they don't, like if you could just guarantee me for three games they don't turn it over, they're winning. They're winning the Super Bowl, no question, no doubt. If they just don't turn it over. But that has not been easy for them. They've done it a lot this year. Like Trevor Lawrence turning the ball over four times in one yeah. half of football, or even Josh Allen, three turnovers in the first part of that game last weekend. <laughs> Patrick Mahomes is the oldest quarterback. That blows me away uh, in the postseason in the AFC. That's what it's become. He's now the old grizzled vet. In fairness, I feel like, I don't know if everyone else feels this way, I feel like that's the way it's going to be. Because I feel like we're getting ready to kind of get the reincarnation. It doesn't mean they're going to win quite as many rings or whatever, because the NFC will have a lot of say in this. But I feel like it's going to be the Brady, Manning, Roethlisberger stuff all over again for the AFC. And every year, it's going to be Mahomes, Allen, and Burrow. And then there'll just be some rotating group of fourth quarterback who will likely be younger. It will be the Trevor Lawrence, Justin Herbert. You know, whoever is in that grouping, maybe it's Bryce Young if, you know, he (laughs) does well when he gets drafted by the Texans or whoever next year. But I feel like those three are all in it together every year. So 27 is kind of weird to be the oldest guy (laughs) in the postseason field. But that's, that's, you know what, we finally got the changing of the guard. We kept waiting for it in the NFL because the older quarterbacks dominated for so long. But everybody in the playoffs is that age. Like, you know, it's either – you're on your rookie deal or you're getting ready to get your or you're getting ready to get out of your rookie deal. It makes the league more fun. Mahomes is probably just the leader of the pack because he's already so established. And uses it very well. Uh, the experience you can see has definitely made him a better quarterback. From 610 Sports Radio in Kansas City, Cody Tapp is with us after hours on CBS Sports Radio. All right, I got to ask you the Eric Bieniemy question because around the country there are, I don't know, about a bazillion theories as to why he hasn't gotten a head coaching job to this point. I know he did interview with the Colts. I'm always so impressed when I hear him handle this topic because there's obvious disappointment for Eric, and yet he's very professional, and he always seems to have the right answer. Why do you think he hasn't gotten a head coaching job yet, Cody? I thought some of the initial stuff, you could have easily made the argument that race was playing a factor into it. Now, I think what's happened here is those early opportunities that he was getting, he passed uh, the sweet spot. So the way NFL, any NFL coaching cycle works is you got about a two or three year run. You're the hot name. Everybody wants to hire you. But if you don't get a job inside of that window, Mm. your window of opportunity closes quickly. Look what just happened to Byron Leftwich, who reportedly was really close to getting a head coaching job. And then obviously he was just let go by the Bucs. I think it's absurd. I do not understand how these teams keep passing up on him. In the early part, I kind of got it. In the early part of his career, he was kind of gruff. He was harder on players than sometimes you can be as a head coach. But he has come so far in his time in Kansas City as an offensive coordinator. I don't understand why teams don't get it. Because other guys have been able to come out of Andy's shadow, right? Matt Nagy, Oh, many. Many. He might have the best coaching tree in the NFL. Yeah, Sean McDermott doesn't matter. Playing guys have gotten out of that Andy stuff. Like, why are they holding, like, play calling against him? It doesn't make any sense. The fact that he's never got a job. And now he's interviewed with half the NFL. Teams don't like to look stupid. They don't want to admit a mistake. Mm-hmm. So if you've ever interviewed the enemy before, they're not going to go back after firing a different coach and be like, you know what, we'll get it right this time. And we'll go to the enemy. So it only leaves half the league. I, I really felt like he just got, like, now it just feels like, 
the moment of time should do it. That's why I think this offseason is interesting for him. There are 10 open offensive coordinator jobs. No. And, it, you know, he shouldn't have to leave Kansas City, but I think he's going to be tempted to because if he could take over and do it like uh, Mike Kafka did for Brian Dable, right? Mm-hmm. Go be an offensive coordinator, make Kenny Pickett look better. It doesn't matter. I think Pat Canada's staying, but. You know, go to an offense and make somebody else look better. Maybe that would be the final cog to get him the job. Although I don't think he in any way needs to or should have to do that. Cody Tapp is with us from Kansas City here on CBS Sports Radio. Okay, I've never been to Arrowhead for an NFL playoff game. I was there for a Big 12 game once in early December, Big 12 championship in early December. It was so loud. I couldn't hear myself think. Also (laughs) couldn't feel my feet by halftime. However, Trevor Lawrence has not experienced it in the playoffs. So what is he in for, Cody? Um, Wow. It's going to be louder than Jacksonville. You know, the (laughs) that comment, um, it's not like I don't want to bury Lawrence. It's not that. It's a rookie mistake, in my opinion. Like, don't, don't poke the bear in Kansas City like there's no reason to and it's hard because he plays in Jacksonville if like Josh Allen had said it would be like you know Buffalo is pretty loud Josh Allen might have a point but Jacksonville no so like that's that's where we end up here we're like come on like you can't think it's that loud but it can be disruptive I know the home field doesn't mean as much as it used to in the NFL but I would prepare for a delay of game or false start penalties because that happens every year in the postseason against the Chiefs. I know he played SC, you know, he played against big SEC teams. I know he played national title games. He's used to loud environments. But Arrowhead, when it clicks in, is still louder than any sports arena I've been to. So they've now poked the bear. That that was the mistake. They can be loud under any circumstance, like any home playoff crowd can be, but you didn't have to say that. That just doesn't help you. Mm. Are we going to see another one of those fun kind of ring around the rosy pre-snap formations that we saw uh, the last time the Chiefs were on the field? Because that was dazzling. I mean, I, I'd never seen that on a football field anywhere in my life. Andy's creative. So I don't know if it's this game or the next one, but yes is the short answer. <laughs> they ran weird formations in the Super Bowl win against the 49ers. They'll run ring around the Rosie. And I swear to you, like people will be like, oh, he's just doing it to pick on teams. So like, no, Andy <laughs> thinks there's an advantage. There's an advantage in confusing them. He'll do anything he has to. The one I keep waiting for is Mahomes throwing it behind his back because I feel like one day that's oh, going to happen. And I'm just waiting for the moment. I love Steph Curry. Yeah, that would go viral, to be sure. I I mean, I got to admit, when they did the ring around the Rosie, I didn't know right away who went where. So it it was confusing to know that Jarek McKinnon was lined up taking the direct snap. (laughs) Well, and you know, uh, I know it got called back for penalty. This court touched on that play. So it objectively worked. (laughs) Like whether, whether, uh, whether they thought, whether fans for the other team didn't like it or not, it worked. All right, they are all in in KC, ready to try to get back to that Super Bowl again. So you can find Cody on Twitter at Cody B. Tap with two Ps, host of Cody and Gold on 610 Sports Radio in Kansas City, where right now all Chiefs all in. It is great to catch a couple minutes with you. Looking forward to this weekend. Thank you so much, Cody. Thanks, Amy. Thanks for having me. It's going to be loud. <laughs> we know that to be sure. Why poke the bear? That's kind of what I asked you on the show last night. Why would you even bother? 
Why would you say it? There's no need to say it. Do you not know how the NFL fans work? Uh, so that'll be a crazy atmosphere. Uh, all of them will be, of course. Orchard Park, Highmark Stadium, uh, Philadelphia. Even Jalen Hurts says they're unique there. They're different in Philly. And then in San Francisco, the Bay Area, where they have their best chance to get back to a Super Bowl for the first time since 2013 and this is a team that's won 11 in a row so every single team I think should have a home field advantage Uh, but the best of the best can play in hostile environments and can thrive in hostile environments all right take our poll what is the after hours game of the week for the divisional round of the postseason on our show Twitter after hours CBS also on our Facebook page pregame meal has been shared with you it's the power of suggestion just tried to look at the photo and not want what we had before the show. (laughs) It's the last show of the week. It's a football Friday in the next few hours. We're ushering it in big time, all in, all the time. It's After Hours CBS Sports Radio. You are listening to the After Hours Podcast. Here on After Hours, we like you as much as you like us. Hey, what's going on? I love the show. Thanks Thank for having you. me on. Hey, enjoying your show, Amy. I'm normally not up to hear you, but you got a hell of a show. Thank you. Hi, Amy. I remember uh, talking with you when you very first started on CBS. You're such a superstar. Amy, thank you for taking my call. First time calling, listening to your show every morning as I travel into Boston. First time caller to any sports show ever, so you're <laughs> kind of taking my sports show virginity right now. Okay, well, but... that's not creepy at all. <laughs> this is After Hours with Amy Lawrence. from some of the Buffalo Bills and Sean McDermott about Damar Hamlin and the latest on his health. And also I saw on Twitter that he had a conversation or got a phone call from the governor of New York and Kathy, Ho- uh, Kathy Hochul was speaking to him about the number of people that are supporting him and that are praying for him. And um, he's continued to be a symbol of hope, I think, for a lot of NFL fans and, and the way that really unified the league itself plus the NFL community and kind of stopped the league in its tracks for a couple of days waiting for a positive update. And the report seems to be that he will be on hand at the stadium, even though he still has a long way to go in his recovery. That comes from a family spokesman On Thursday, he is out of the hospital, but he still has a long way to go. In fact, according to his family member, he still needs oxygen. And his heart is also being checked and monitored regularly. Uh, We'll hear from Sean McDermott. I hope he's able to be there on Sunday. Not because of the competitive lift or advantage it might give the team, but because of what it will mean for DeMar. Can you imagine after everything he's gone through, he can't be on the field with the Bills during this playoff run. This is a season in which he started a ton of games because of injuries. Second year guy, 24 years old. This is what you dream about. And he won't be on the field as a competitor, but what it would mean to him and just extra motivation and hope to keep going and give it everything he's got in his recovery. 
I have no idea if we'll see him on the football field again. There were lots of hot takes right after he was injured and even as he was released from the hospital about his future in football. It's not as important right now, but you can imagine that's what his heart desires. He worked so hard to get to this point. Of course, he wants to be able to play again. But what it would mean to him and, of course, to his teammates who nearly watched the man die on the field. Just phenomenal opportunity uh, for the NFL to see him. For So many people who prayed for him to be able to see him out there on the field walking, maybe walking in with the team with the flag. Oh, my gosh. Could you imagine? It's After Hours with Amy Lawrence, CBS Sports Radio. A lot of people are saying that is the game of the week because of the fact that it was unfinished a couple of weeks ago. And people were so hyped for that game. It was Monday night. It was in Cincinnati. Different stakes, obviously. There was seating on the line there, but not the same as what you've got this weekend. So is that your game of the week? We've got our poll up on Twitter, After Hours CBS, or on our Facebook page. And our phone number is 855 212 4227. So, yes, we'll talk Bills and Bengals coming up. And Marco Belletti's here in studio. <laughs> remember how I told you I had a plumbing emergency earlier in the week? I do remember. Everything's good now, but it's just been one of those weeks where it's been nonstop. One fire to put out after another. I'm sure you have had those kind of weeks. Those are fun. Right. Those are super fun. And ultimately, I feel like I got nothing done that was actually on my to do list for the week other than work. You actually get things done off the to-do well, list? Well, I, I try. Yeah, some, some weeks are more productive than others. <laughs> this wasn't one of them. But I'm determined that exercise has to stay part of the equation. Okay, so there are times when I'm on the bike uh, or and I'm, I'm reading, I'm working, I'm listening to podcasts or to games. And so I have to multitask, but I've determined that exercise has to remain a part of my routine. Otherwise, my okay. stress level goes through the roof like nobody's business. Okay, so I have one class a month, one class that I do in person for yoga. Most of my yoga classes, my instructor continues to do them on Zoom. Mm -hmm. Just you get more participation that way Mm -hmm. for obvious reasons after Mm -hmm. the last couple of years. But this was my one Thursday evening a month where I go to her studio and we do a class in person. I love it. All in. So it's a really hard class. I've got muscles that hurt right now that don't generally hurt. Well, like, oh my gosh, coming to mind right now is Tiger Woods. My, my glutes, my glutes were <laughs> not firing or turning on or whatever. Anyway, definitely have some sore glutes. Um, maybe that's TMI. Anyway, so I've got sore muscles. It was a killer class. At the end, and there are four of us in her studio. Her studio is relatively small. So there are four of us in there. At the end, we do what's called Shavasana. Shavasana, sorry. It's a final pose where you rest. You're supposed to be just in complete rest and maybe a little bit of meditation. Uh, I, at times, have kind of like faded before and you just kind of... Now, there are times when I'm planning my show, I'll be honest. There are other times when I'm thinking, can you just get this over with? Because I got to get out of here. I got stuff to do. (laughs) But there are times when I relax and I'm able to just. (sighs) It's called corpse pose, by the way. It's supposed to be that type of relaxation. You just let everything go. So for whatever reason, this, this particular corpse pose at the end of her class went a little longer. I don't know if she was doing an extra meditation. And all of a sudden I hear. These noises, two mats down from me. I am fairly certain that the woman, two mats down from me, fell asleep and started snoring. That's now, it wasn't like <laughs> that type of noise, because that's obvious. It was, <laughs> and then like a little, an interval. Mm-hmm. 
Mm-hmm. And then like, a, and then like a little squeaking noise and it was, but it was regular intervals mm-hmm. and it was a, this kind of high pitched kind of squeaking noise. <laughs> and so I had to do, this is terrible. I'm supposed to be meditating and relaxing and being a corpse. It was all I could do not to bust out laughing. I cause and I don't know if anybody else in the room was thinking it too, but it's almost completely quiet. She My, she had turned down the music at this point, and it's it's like those types of noises, mm-hmm. but like very regular intervals. I'm sure she was asleep. I am confident. And so like a nimrod, I'm in there trying so hard not to laugh, thinking, please don't have her look at me because you know the lights were dim, but they're not the woman who was sleeping, the instructor. I love this instructor and I'm thinking, oh my gosh, she's going to look at me and I'm about to bust out. And so I'll, <laughs> I'll be kicked out of class and never be allowed to play again. <laughs> really? <laughs> that yeah. seems extreme. Yeah. Anyway, no, she wouldn't do that, but I didn't want to be laughing at the woman who was I'm, like I said, pretty sure. It was that kind of rhythmic. I was going to say, I'd be jealous. Like squeaks. To be able to fall asleep in that spot. It'd be yeah. funny, but I'd be jealous of her. Right. Good for you that you were able to relax that much. <laughs> Box breathing. It's not usually me. I can't sleep on planes or trains or in automobiles. Really can't sleep when I when there are people around me and there are strange noises. I don't, even in hotels, if it's not a normal... Not normal is the wrong word. If it's not a an, an atmosphere I'm familiar with, if the noises are different, I have a hard time falling asleep. I'm a pretty light sleeper, and all that to say, my dog wakes me up routinely because she makes all kinds of funny noises. <laughs> so yes, I I key in on the noise or the you know the the sounds that you hear, and yep, pretty sure. Loud noises. I mean, it wasn't loud. It's just that she was snoring, and um. I mean, how, if you're an instructor, is that a compliment that she relaxed enough? Yeah, that, okay. I would think All so. Right, but cool. what the hell do I know about yoga? But I would think so, yeah. I mean, that makes sense to me. Well, good. Then maybe Lori was all about it. I would think so. If you want somebody to be that, <laughs> you know, focused and relaxed, what's more relaxed than letting your mind and go sleeping. to the point where you fall asleep? Yes. Only one time have I ever fallen asleep in her class, but it wasn't on site. It was in my living room, right? So I'm doing my, I'm doing it on Zoom. Um, sometimes I'll be perfectly honest. I have games. So I have the computer set up in front of the TV and games on behind her so that when she's doing her meditation, I'm actually got one eye open on the TV. I feel like you're missing the point. Yeah, of course I am, but I've got stuff to do. Okay. It's a busy time of year. (laughs) Anyway, I did it tonight. I went, I, I crushed it. Now I'm sore. Uh, and then there was a woman sleeping. So yeah, that was, that was kind of interesting of everything breaking loose this week. And somehow she managed to sleep. I was kind of jealous. I, I could have used a little bit of that. So yes, it was, if, but I didn't laugh out loud. So there's that. There I, you ma- go. I managed to preserve her dignity and mine. Oh, <laughs> 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 uh, thank you. Kawhi. That's what I felt like doing. All right. Find us on Twitter and Facebook. We're going to dive, deep dive into our, yep, our playoff preview with Bills and Bengals straight ahead. You are listening to the After Hours Podcast. Buffalo Bills. Nick Folk kicking it off now. Hines takes it a yard deep in the end zone. Going to bring it out. Out to the 10, to the 15, up over the 20, 25, 30. Gets away from the tackler, 35, 40, 45, 50. They're not going to get him. He's going for another one. 102 yards. 
the Cincinnati Bengals. Third down and goal from the one. Huntley no. sticks the ball out. The yeah. Bengals have Go the ball. Me. They are running it back. Oh. Sam Hubbard with blockers behind him. Hubbard to the Ravens 40. Nice. The 30. Nice. The 20. Yeah. The 10. The Woo. 5. Touchdown. Bengals. Woo. He's on my ass. Off the field, on the money, and after hours, it's time to talk football with Amy Lawrence. <laughs> Two incredible moments. One goes 96 yards. The other goes 98 yards. Naeem Hines, first, first play. In fact, they weren't even done talking about the weather uh, on the Bills radio network when Naeem Hines grabbed that ball and went 96 yards. Uh, So for the Buffalo Bills, a moment that they'll never forget. Uh, I don't know how anybody could ever forget it, but man, it turned up the atmosphere, the electricity, the emotion there at Orchard Park. And that's going back, of course, to week 18 against the New England Patriots. They were the, uh, well, they were the sacrificial lamb, if you will. And and we are now set up for what is the game that we were all looking forward to. And and I, I'm sure the emotions will be ratcheted up just as much between Bills and Bengals for this playoff appearance. At the same time, there's an undertone to it. There's there's a, there's a camaraderie. There's an appreciation of what these two teams went through, and I think they care about one another and, and knowing that whew, it could have been a whole lot worse. I mean, things could be so different right now if not for saving Tamar Hamlin's life on the field. It's After Hours with Amy Lawrence, Chris Brown on Bills Radio, Dan Hoare, Dave Lapham on Bengals radio, and then you hear a little bit of the post-reaction as they get set to to square off, to kick off, to tee off uh, in the divisional round. So the update on Demar Hamlin is great. I mean, he, he's not out of the woods. He's still got healing that he has to go through, and yet it's really awesome to hear Sean McDermott talk about his safety. Demar's um, in the building now almost starting daily and so that's that's good news and comes in and, and really just started really today or yesterday and just trying to get back to a little bit of a routine and um and just getting himself acclimated again and taking a, a one step up you know baby step at a time here you may remember that t higgins is the one that Demar Hamlin tackled, and he was taking it really hard too. T had kind of lowered his head, and it maybe was the helmet uh, that precipitated the cardiac arrest. There were a lot of people who were taking aim at T, which is just wrong. It's it's displaced aggression, um, but certainly for T, the one that had the contact with Demar, he was carrying that heavy weight, and now there's the prospect of seeing Demar again. I'm pretty sure we're just going to, you know, just laugh, chalk it up, laughs and giggles, you know, um, and, you know, just going to be happy to see him. Do you hope to see him up there? Oh, uh, yeah, for sure, man. You know, hopefully, you know, talk to him a little bit and, you know, just chop it up a little. I like hearing T, the veteran wide receiver for the Bengals, say laughs and giggles because ultimately life the ability to laugh and giggle, even with an opponent, is far more important than football. And that was underscored in that game that was postponed and ultimately canceled a couple of weeks ago. Jordan Poyer knows this is not just a game. There's going to be a lot of other emotions these two teams will feel. Obviously, two teams that, you know, we're in the playoffs, want to win. Obviously, going through what we went through a couple of weeks back, um, 
you know, I think the the good thing that everybody feels good about is that Deham is back and he's in the building now. He's, you know, it's just awesome to see him and 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 in great spirits back here, and it brings all of our spirits together. So and brings all of our spirits up. So, um, you know, I, I don't think it should be any different than any other game that we've been in, uh, been a part of. Obviously, like I said, two teams that two really good teams that that want to win. It's playoffs, and so uh, we're expecting a, a really great atmosphere, and we're excited for the opportunity. Thinking ahead to this game, these two teams are not going to be intimidated, or I should say the Bengals aren't going to be intimidated by the atmosphere. The Bills are not going to be intimidated by the Bengals, even though the Bengals uh, are the defending AFC champions. I mean, this is a clash of the Titans, to be sure. But you got to throw a lot of that out the window uh, because both these teams have playoff experience. And Zach Taylor, you can hear the confidence in his voice. We know that we're the defending AFC champions, you know, and so there, there's an edge to this team where we're not an underdog to anybody. And so I, I think that's that's just been the feeling we've had all season. We don't really care what anybody else says about us. Um, we know we belong in the field with every team in this league. To me, you got to look for the chunk plays. Both these teams are capable of explosive plays, vertical plays. And it could even be with the run game, right? It doesn't have to be uh, with the passing attack, but that's what you think of with – Joe and with Josh and the receivers that can get downfield. These offensive lines should give them time to throw. And we know that it's been a challenging season for the Bengals offensive line, but they've played better as of late. So can these guys get the ball to their receivers downfield? And of course, can the defenses play it straight up? If you start to cheat away or, uh, you know, double team one guy or work one side of the field, then you expose the backside and and you expose the other half. And we've seen these two teams rack up so many huge yards on big plays, whether for TDs or not. Uh, It's going to be awesome to see who can kind of catch that edge. We also know that turnovers have been an issue more recently for the Buffalo Bills. Uh, Sean McDermott talking about it recently because of their eight game win streak going back. uh, They had just three in the first five games, but they've had nine turnovers in their last three games. So what's the difference then, uh, Sean McDermott, with all the different turnovers that we've seen, including three last week? I think I was going to church more then than I, than I have been of late. <laughs> yeah, I'll be there twice. I'll be there twice this week. Uh, no, I mean... Like I said, if if I could, if I knew what it was that got us through that, and versus what it's been, and you know, I'd be doing, I'd be doing that. Um, but again, I just come back to, for me, it's uh, we've got players that know uh, what's expected, and 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 I trust them to to take ownership of it. He moves on, and he doesn't let that mentally, you know, slow him down from anything. Because I think anytime you let. A previous play affects you going forward. It might beat you twice. So we always talk about not letting one bad play beat you again on the next play. Um, so all you can do is move on. You got to have a short-term memory in this league. So um, he does a great job moving on from those things. Dawson Knox talking about his quarterback Josh Allen, who certainly wears those. Uh, he gets pretty frustrated at himself when he turns the ball over, makes mistakes, and three turnovers last weekend, two in the first half, and then that fumble uh, early in the second half that led to the Dolphins taking the lead briefly uh, in the third quarter. So Josh, he's one of those guys who is uber-aggressive, 
but also you turn the ball over, you make a, an egregious mistake against a team like the Bengals, and before you know it, they're going to make you pay. So we are a little more, we'll talk a little more about this game over the top of the hour uh, because there's a lot here. Everything from DeMar Hamlin to a game that was interrupted that became so unimportant to two of the premier quarterbacks in the NFL to a team that last year got to the Super Bowl that's now standing in a way of a team that desperately wants to get back there. CBS Sports Radio.